Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what happened to you? What's up, you guys? This is Anna David. You're listening to Light Hustler. It's a podcast about sharing your dark to find your light. If you are new to the podcast, hi. Don't know how you found us, but I'm really glad you did. I'm a New York Times bestselling author of six books about addiction and recovery. I help other writers write books. I coach them through writing book proposals and all sorts of stuff. You can find out more about that by going to lighthustler.com. But you didn't come here to find out about a website. You came here to listen to this week's guest. It is guests. It is one of, no, it's a singular guest. I just had said the sentence wrong, just to be clear. This is one of those ones that's from a Facebook Live interview that I did. And I give him a proper introduction uh, once that all starts. But all I'm going to tell you right now is his name is Murphy Jensen. He's a professional tennis player. And <clears throat> by professional, I mean he won like the French Open kind of professional, has coached Sabrina, Serena Williams. Sorry, I'm so not a sports person. Anyway, he, I've known him since the early aughts, as they say. And he's an amazing, amazing guy. And this was recorded on his 50th birthday. You're about to hear all about that. And we talk about why he waited to share his story with the world and the freedom that comes from that and why he feels like it's his obligation to do that. So we get into all of that. I also want to tell you, speaking of sharing your story, that my BFF Ryan Hampton and I have put together an amazing day to help you learn everything you might want to know about selling a book. It is called Sell Your Book 101. It's happening January 19th, 2019. It's featuring panels, live interviews, interactive workshops. We have the woman who used to pick the books for Oprah. We have Amy Dresner on a panel. We have book publicists. And it all culminates in a pitch fest where you can pitch your book to a publisher who could acquire it. So find out more about that by going to tinyurl.com slash sellyourbook2019, T-I-N-Y-U-R-L.com slash sellyourbook2019. With that, let's talk to Murphy Jensen. Didn't you do Russell Brand? Here's the thing, Murphy. We just started. 
Hi, you guys. We're live. Yes. I'm Anna David. I'm here with my old friend, Murphy Jensen. And when I say old, do you know what I'm actually saying? It's his birthday today and he's 50. The big 5-0, Anna David. The big 5-0. Now, Murphy, I am so excited he's here. This is who Murphy is. He is um, was world-renowned tennis player. Won the French Open in 1993. Is that right? 1993. That's correct. Uh, has done all these incredible things. Coached Serena Williams. Like it, The list goes on and on and on. But the thing I would say that he's proudest of is his recovery. He's been sober since 2006, officially. Yeah. Officially. June 1st, 2006, I first crash landed in the rooms in Los Angeles when we first met in 1999 with the birth of my son, Billy Jack. Billy Jack, who's now going to college right near your office. And that's what we're really talking about is this office is for We Connect. And it's an addiction recovery app, correct? Platform framework. It's a tech, it's a technology company uh, that we're designing software. One of uh, one of our suite of products is an app that's designed to prevent relapse from drug and alcohol addiction. Now, here's here's what I want you guys to know. There are a lot of people in the recovery tech space. There's a lot of like sober apps going around. I know because I hear about them all and, yeah. and Murphy's very modest. So he's not going to tell you this, but they just raised, I believe it's $6 million. Yeah. In the, for the series a round of funding. Yeah. I don't even know what series a round of funding means. And you know what? I bet you didn't either until this point. Yeah, I surely didn't. You know, you know, I was uh, bopping around the tennis world Anna, for a long, long time. And about three or four years ago, four years ago, I was the tennis director at a fancy five-star resort called Sea Island, Georgia. And I got, and I was on the East coast. My son was, uh, Billy was entering high school and, um, you know, I had a voice in my heart that said that I had more to offer this world than expensive tennis experiences and coaching superstars like the Washington Castles and Serena and Venus and Hengis and you name it. And um, and I knew that at 44, 45, my shelf life to do something beyond the game of tennis was closing. So on a on a prayer, we loaded up the two dogs, Hemingway and Mackinac and Kate the Great, the, my lovely wife and headed west no job on the other side just just uh blind faith and through divine intervention and people in recovery can get that but people on wall street aren't going to invest in divine intervention um i was connected through to to my co-founder daniela tudor and um all because i was being of service and taking someone to uh, a support group meeting and you know, I'd been at Richard Branson's private island the week before uh, raising money for his his stuff. And, um, you know, the irony of my life after my playing days on the tennis court was the fact that here here I was getting sober and staying sober, but I was getting um, paid to go to cocktail parties around the world right. with very successful people. And when they would ask me to take a shot, I'd be like, no, thank you. I'm in the Hall of Fame. Um, no, thank you. And stay up late. Uh, it's two, three in the morning. No, I'm going to go to bed. And they're like, 
why are you going to bed? And I said, well, I'm in the Hall of Fame of wherever you're going, I've been there on steroids. So I, so anyway, long of the short is um, I was introduced to my co-founder, Daniela, and she uh, used to build dev teams for Microsoft and other tech. She's super genius. And um, she showed me, which I didn't know first, Series A, something called a wireframe. And a wireframe is kind of like a chalkboard, which is, you know, basically um, the designs. And she came up with the thoughts while she was in treatment was that her her counselor said there's an 85% chance you're going to relapse within the first year. There's a 50% chance you're going to relapse within the first two weeks. And she's sitting there saying, I don't know if I got a relapse in me. You know, you look look at the papers, you know, you might not make it back and you can't stir up a dead person, you know? And so she being a, a super genius started doing the academic on the problem and trying to create a solution. And she's found that the drivers of relapse were lack of connection to your, to your recovery activities, your aftercare plan, because when she left treatment, they handed her a piece of paper, do these 10 things for the rest of your life and you'll be cool. Well, good luck. And she's like, no reason the relapse rate's so high. And so she's, there's got to be a better way. And being uh, from the tech space, she, the first product was a mobile application. The second product is, was the data dashboard that we've been developing for the last two years. We have data scientists. Murphy Jensen works with data science. And... You know, we've built risk risk score algorithms. So the case manager, counselor, and the key stakeholders in our recovery, most importantly, our loved ones, will get a notification on their phone when Murphy's recovery activities drop below a certain threshold. Not to mention that I'm tethered to my treatment center for the first 365. We take a 28-day program and turn it into a 365-day program through our phones. Everybody's got one. And we've improved engagement 82%. And, and the statistics show that if you get to day 365, relapse rates drop 60%. And what do you think that means to insurance providers? Everything. Everything. So that is also, so the, you know, historically treatment centers cannot provide any data. So, so treatment centers will go, we have an 80% success rate and you know, it's total BS. Does this change that? This means that they can actually give accurate statistics about their success rate of their graduates. Well, and that's what we were, we really thought this through. We, we interviewed the treatment centers. We interviewed insurance providers. We wanted to know what they wanted. They wanted a, a tool that would also keep uh, verified outcomes and verified data that for treatment centers, keeping them accountable as well as the accountability factor for patients. Um, so someone enters treatment usually uh, against their own wishes, you know, an intervention has taken place. They, you know, this is the worst thing that could have ever happened. They go through detox, they go through 28 days, but by the end of 28 days, they're hugging and kissing their counselors and the new best friends. And they're going to do this for the rest of their life. It's going down. We're going to stay sober forever. But then 365 days later, the statistics are not good. The right. true statistics are not good. And nobody can tell you why, like the writer who wrote The Power of Why. Why are these? So twofold, we're going to solve a couple of things, not only improve outcomes, but we're going to be able to tell and be able to manage that care plan in real time, helping that patient. Because 
you know, back to the risk score and the data dashboard that the case manager, the alumni coordinator will be able to review. They'll also be, when we don't need to add more work to an already overworked population in a right. treatment center. This is, this is to um, relieve the, the heavy load they already have. And, you know, the risk score is based on an algorithm that says, you know, Murphy Jensen missing a therapy session is going to be totally different than um, somebody else, patient B, who exactly. suffers from dual diagnosis and yeah. the same thing. So it's now, really exciting. How many treatment centers are, do you have on board? I would say in our first year, uh, roughly 30 plus and growing. Uh, we've got some big news. The big news two weeks ago was the closing of the Series A round of funding. And in a few weeks, we're, we're going to be... Uh, uh, we got some really exciting stuff coming up, actually. You know, let's just call it We Connect uh, 2.0. <laughs> oh, a uh, lot of cool stuff. And, and then the treatment providers and the insurance providers and the healthcare and hospital systems are really excited to um, deploy and, and start an engagement and a partnership. You know, we look at it as a partnership, you know, similar to, you know, Whatever the treatment center, it's going to hopefully be all powered by WeConnect. You know, my big bucket list is to fill the Rose Bowl with WeConnect users and get a million, 26 million people to a year of recovery because it's our belief. Tell me if I'm wrong, Anna, that Murphy's going to make better decisions about his future and his well-being at day 365 than he is at day 28. Although I, I think I knew Murphy at day 28 and he made <laughs> really good decisions like hanging out with me. So let's get into that. Let's talk about how we met in, in 2000. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, we were in the same recovery group, yeah. literally, and group of people. We have this friend, Allison, was my very first friend in yeah. sobriety. Who Mine met too. Really? Yep. Yeah. My whole story about Allison, I wish she was watching. Um, does she? I don't even think she goes on Facebook. But but was um, you know I had relapsed, and my sponsor had said to me, "You need to make you need to make friends." And I said, "I have friends, you know, Scott um, and Bo." And I named all these boys. And she goes, "You need to make female friends. You're scared of women." And I was like, "No, I'm not." And she was completely right. So the next day, I sat down and I said, "Oh, look." Speaking of cabin, who do you uh, got? Early times, Andrew. Oh my God, Andrew Brin, I love you. He got me into the coolest nightclubs, and I didn't think being sober was so bad. Let's talk about that for a second. It's <laughs> all part of that conversation. So, so I'm sitting there, and I'm so, and I'm so scared. And there's this girl sitting next to me, and I feel like I'm risking everything. I'm like, I'm gonna turn to her, and I'm gonna say hi. And I'm like shaking, and I turn to her, and I say hi. And it was Allison, and she was so sweet. And she just said, "Why don't you come out with me tonight?" And she took me to a club that <laughs> Andrew was doing the door, yeah. and people were like, super famous people are in line, and he's like. Allison, Anna, come here. And I'm like, dang, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, it's a game changer. It's funny. You say that all your friends were dudes. All my friends were, were girls. I remember. And I was obviously seeking some approval and affection and some security from the opposite sex. And that was in my head, 
I thought that was the solution to my problems. The truth is I needed to hang with some dudes like Andrew and Scott G and, and uh, I found a fellowship of, of guys that really helped me uh, pave the way to be, become the man I'm hoping to be someday. So. Well, and so, so we started, we started all kind of just doing, trying to make our way around the world with, I would say, looking back a lot of confusion about yeah. how to do that. What did human beings do all day? And like, how did they survive? You know what I mean? Yeah. Just reminding me before we started recording about a time that you think, you think you and I were running around town and I was in my pajamas? <laughs> I, I think everybody was in their pajamas at 7.30. I hadn't woke up before noon um, until this log cabin thing where a lot of people got sober at that support group meeting. And it was way too early. So people showed up there in pajamas. And I just made, maybe I put you in my mind's eye in pajamas. Like, I mean, maybe I wished you were in pajamas. <laughs> pajamas right now so totally clear (laughs) probably true that i was in pajamas 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 but but so so what my strong memory of you is that one day we were like let's go get a psychic reading and we went to the bodhi tree which was this awesome bookstore that used to be rose that is now long gone and And we we put massages while we were there we did we get foot massages? I used to, I got into foot massages at the Bodhi Tree as well. I got psychic readings, Bodhi, because uh, I was we. I don't know about you, but I was seeking. I was looking for an answer, anything and everything. Yeah, you know, I, I had a meltdown at the Barnes and Noble at the Grove because I looked at the self help section because I needed a lot of help, and I literally sat on the floor in the self help section and looked up at the huge stack of books, and I realized I had read every one, and it didn't cure my alcoholism right right. <laughs> pretty pathetic but it but then uh started doing what you were doing and but that Bodhi tree was sweet and i still you know i've got my crystals i'm still a super oh, I, I got my citrine i've got my whatever this one is chakra clearing angel therapist does it uh, work yeah anything and everything <laughs> i i don't know yet jury's still out <laughs> And I check my horoscope daily. You never know. You never, I hate, never. I hate to find out that someday that hey, you should have done more of that crystal stuff. It's where it's at. <laughs> um, uh, do you bathe your crystals in the moonlight during full moons? Well, let me show you the latest Uh-oh. and greatest. Um, this is my birthday present today. It's crystal water. There's actually a crystal in there, and I put it in. Uh, yeah, the moonlight will get it energized. I'm deep. They have no idea. I go to the you know, next level. <laughs> you have crystal spray. I was in Bali and I got spray and it's perfume with crystals in it. Uh-huh. So you're oh. wearing on your person. That's the 50th birthday present you need. Yeah, that's enlightenment. Um, now let's talk about your addiction. Let's walk it back. So how much do you think being an alcoholic and an addict had to do with your success as a tennis player? That determination, um, do you think there's a connection? Well, if, you know, I've discovered that, and not to sound cheesy, that before I ever took a drink or a drug, you know, um, I think I shared in a meeting last night that, 
And I was kind of attracted to the dark side of life. Like, hey, that guy's got a leather jacket. I want to be his friend. That's like George P. Let's call him that. And he rode a really cool bicycle. But he looked like mysterious and he got in a lot of trouble. So I wanted to hang with trouble. But why did I want to hang with trouble? Um, Cut to my playing days. Um, The tennis court was a place of refuge and security and safety. And here I was trying to control that fuzzy little tennis ball. And I got got a lot of, um, I got the things that, you know, on my birthday, I'm pretty popular. Um, So... I say that because the phones are ringing. <laughs> um, I found safety on that tennis court. The problem is I thought the, 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 the winning a lot of matches and being successful is going to be the answer to my problems. Without question, I had a drive to change the way I felt inside and cut to the family dynamic all the way to the finals at the French Open in Paris, France. We win. It should be the greatest moment of my life. I sat in the locker room, and it gives me chills to bring that up because it goes right there. And I was scared to death. I was terrified. I was terrified because now the jig's up. The outsides definitely don't match my insides, and I didn't know. You know, you hear a lot. We don't know. We don't know. I didn't know why when I had a drink. There were consequences. When the other guys had drinks, there were consequences, but like life went on. And the consequences I'm talking about are emotional consequences. And those consequences emotionally led me further and further down a hole into, um, you know, uh, addiction to cocaine and, and, and everything else. So, and there's never going to be enough. There's never going to be enough success. There's never going to be enough money. There's never going to be enough... Um, um, parties or girls or, you know, whatever, you know, the problem I, I continue to remember is that um, I'm looking at it. You know, I found a sticker along my, our journey uh, in recovery. And that sticker says, you're looking at the problem. And I put that where I brush my teeth <laughs> because, you know, it's about looking at my part, my side and everything. And, if I'm in the weeds mentally or emotionally, it's usually something that has to do with nothing that's going on in the present moment. Uh, some button's been triggered from being five or eight or whatever, and um, I'm not living up to something that my head has perceived to be the way to do it. And, you know, I am, you know, so that's a great question, Anna. Um, the tennis stuff drives a lot of people because I meet people in other sports like football and basketball and Hall of Fame tennis players that call me and say, you know, my my child's on life support. Can you help me? And I, and I know what it's like. Maybe you do, too. But I know what it's like to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. I know what it's like to be scared. I know what it's like to be confused. I know what it's like to feel like I'm being picked on because I can't stop. I've got a physical craving that's going to turn everything that I cherish. But here's the flip side. Where I'm at today is that Mega Millions, 1.6 billion, and all that jazz, 
isn't even close to what the life that we have been given here. I mean, the value of the gift is so much bigger than not drinking and using. I, this morning, was changing a diaper at 6.37 o'clock. I'm kind of lying. My wife did it because it's my 50th birthday. But I played with him, and he and I were dancing. His name is Duke. I've got a baby. I got a 19-year-old and a one-year-old. He turns one uh, in, in two days. And November 3rd. Man, that's rich. And my biggest thing is we've had we you and I saw the just say no campaigns in the 90s and stuff like that. I'm saying just say yes to recovery, man. This is so big. And that we get a life that we didn't even know was available. Forget about it to us. I didn't know you could live. Anybody, sober or not, or in recovery or not, could have a blessed life like this. Right. Oh. That's, yeah, so many things you said. By the way, you've been totally frozen on the screen this whole time. Oh, no. I'm hearing you perfectly, which is a weird thing. I'm wondering, anyone watching, if Murphy's frozen. It's it's not bothering me. I mean, you're frozen in a very interesting uh, okay. moment. <laughs> But, but what's weird is usually when someone freezes, I can't hear them anymore. I've heard you perfectly. But that is such an interesting point. This idea, when you just mentioned the mega millions and all of that, like this idea that nobody tells us what the point of life is, right? We come up and we are Americans and we are taught that you you make a lot of money and you have these families and that it's all external. And I don't know about you, Murphy, but if I hadn't, you know, reached such a bottom that I had to find a spiritual solution, I think I would still be out there wondering what the point of it. I still wonder what the point of it all is, but at least I understand that it's an inside situation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it, I, I, I had an epiphany maybe a month ago. Where else in the world or in the United States do you get applause for screwing up your life? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Murphy Jensen with five minutes clean and sober. <laughs> Way to go, man. You screwed everything up. Way to go. Welcome to the party. Who the hell does that? If I went in and said, hey, everybody, I just bankrupted the business. <laughs> the last thing I'd be getting would be an applause. And I see that guy or girl with... Uh, with five minutes shaking and, 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 and scared to death and wondering how the heck did this happen? And when they hear the claps and the welcoming and the hope and the this and the that, there's like a little twinkle in their eye and a little smile like I might not be as crappy as I think. And the truth is my head was telling me uh, reality, reality that didn't even exist. And I am frozen in a pretty cool way. <laughs> you see how frozen you are? Yeah. It's like a talking like uh, mannequin. <laughs> you look very serious. I like it because I think of you as not that serious. So I like yeah. that you're frozen in this like Murphy Jensen, the serious man. Yeah. Well, uh, I think Sarah who wrote, I, I, you know, being on this with you, it's neat to see people's comments. Um, you know, the, obviously people uh, get recovery, you know, whether they're in it or not. Um, yeah. You know, and I think something that the people that I'm really interested in is that uh, being around a little while is the supporters. 
the family afterward, the the moms, the dads, the brothers and sisters that, um, you know, we get all all spruced up and cleaned up. My, my heart, my prayers go out to those um, family members that, you know, sometimes don't get most of the time don't get what we've gotten. We've yeah. gotten some um, our we our hearts are have been healed. Right. And um you know, I, it took me a long time to get to the other side of, you know, where the people that saw me put, um, put up that wreckage, um, you know, it's not as easy for them to get well after something like that. Right. And, um, you know, it's, it, it, nobody, what I've learned and you may have too, but nobody gets out of, uh, an alcoholic house or an addictive house without, their own scars, you right. know? Um, so, yeah. yeah. It's, um, and so, and so it's just walking it back a minute, speaking of families and loved ones that I did want to like, your bottom is so dramatic that I just wanted to brush up against that. So you're playing tennis doubles with your brother. You're the Jensen brothers. You're these badass weirdo kind of out there kicking ass in a non-traditional way. And, um, and then this U.S. Open, and then somehow you end up at the Sunset Marquee completely bottomed out, and you got an intervention. How did that happen? Well, in 1999, um, I'm playing the U.S. Open, and my son was due to be born basically any day. And instead of, instead of that being um, a magical moment and the greatest moment of my life, my addiction had taken me to a place where I was – you know, ready to jump out of a window, basically. And I was unrecognizable to myself. Um, that's what I remember. Um, and I was at in such a state that uh, the bars in New York wouldn't even serve me. And I somehow, Billy was born in Los Angeles. I somehow ended up back in Los Angeles after the U.S. Open. I peeled myself off the streets of Manhattan, got myself to L.A. I'm checked into the Sunset Marquee. And instead of the uh, intervention, instead of the hotel manager, Rod, um, I'd stayed there for tennis tournaments when I played in Los Angeles, um, calling the police. Luckily, he called an interventionist. And, um, and I, didn't, I was in, in, in such a place where I, I may not have made it another 24 hours. I was that sick. Mm. And... Um, they, he asked me if I'd be willing to get, get help. And I, and I was broken enough um, and beat enough that, um, you know, thank God I said yes. And then I ended up at um, Brotman a Hospital for a detox. And I was there about seven to 10 days. And there's a guy named Dr. Murphy there, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. And he said, you know, would you be willing to do sober living? And I was living kind of a rock star lifestyle in my head. On the outside, it looked like I had it all going on. On the inside, I was dying. And I was broken enough to say, I didn't even know what a sober living house was. And I'm still top 10 in the world and stuff like that. And, and uh, I moved into a place in Culver City. And you know, let me tell you something. I felt so safe and protected and loved in that place. I mean... And then I asked the house manager, you know, I, I, I'm still on the pro tour and 
Um, he says, I don't care. You can go to the Australian Open and you can go to the Italian Open. You can do whatever you want to do, but just don't drink and use while you're there and get to meetings. And that's what I did. And eventually I moved up after a year there to Laurel Canyon and I lived with uh, one of the Driver family, Mini Driver's sister, Kate Driver. We shared a house. Yeah. And um, she was just a rock star because she she uh, she was my friend and, and we, we, we rented a house and, and I was down, starting going to meetings. I met Allison. I met DK. I met Scott G. I met the you. We got a psychic greetings, which I'm sure it was awesome. You know, I predict that 18 years later, we would be talking on Facebook. Did she predict Facebook would exist and we would be having a a conversation on Facebook Live? I don't think so. I don't think so. If there's not some universal intelligence, I don't know what is. Um, Yeah, I think uh, that psychic had it right. They said you and I would go on to do great things and serve. serve uh this world in a way beyond our wildest dreams i don't think she said that but i but i want to believe she said i don't even know if it was a she i just remember we walked away with these like charts yeah yeah down melrose with a chart with you now okay we got to get close to wrapping up but one thing that i always like to talk to people about is what made you decide to be open about your story. It could have been very easy to just keep quiet and not tell people about that night at the Sunset Marquee and not develop, you know, platforms about recovery. What was the decision that you made to be open about it? Uh, Last year was the 25th anniversary of winning the French Open um, for my brother and I. And, you know, back to... You know, we connect um, health. Here I was part of something that was way beyond my pay grade at the time. I'd never been in finance or funding or technology or. And the biggest reason is I nobody said to me, nobody. And I and I think this resonates with anybody, whether they're a tennis pro or, or not, or just a person um that's just going has a friend that that needs help nobody said uh hey man you're in, you're you're in trouble and i you know nobody said to me when i was on tour missing matches and and not showing up for my responsibilities nobody said murphy you might have an issue with um alcohol you might have an issue and i thought how can i keep this a secret how can I personally keep the gift and the and the these blessings just for me? I think that'd be the most selfish thing I can do. And um, but at the same time, I had to have enough time. I had to have enough space between my last drink. I mean, you can't it, just. To, I don't recommend coming being out about your recovery with day five. Uh, publicly, (laughs) you know, it's, um, I think I had enough space and enough, enough in my bank account, um, in my recovery bank account. It was time, you know, it's like that voice. I've built a relationship with that, that inner voice that it's connected to, to what's right and what's wrong. You know, my, my dad got sober when I was maybe eight years old and that changed the trajectory of our lives. And, 
had he not done that, we would not have had the life that we had. And he was an example. And when he saw me dying, he knew it wasn't a party. He knew that I was a guy that was struggling with a disease, a disease of alcoholism and drug addiction. And he loved me and he got me help and he didn't judge me and he cared for me. And he got, and then I was able to bring him to the finish line and it's really emotional. I was able to kiss his cold lips. Good night. And send him away because he was able to go to sleep knowing that his son was sober and I was, I was going, I could take care of his kids for him. I could take care of his family. I was responsible for the first time in my life. So how, how do we not open up? It's not 1934. You know, there are people winning in recovery and it's a big life. And I, what I thought was the worst thing that could have happened to me has turned out to be the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me. And in spite of myself, we walk this earth free people. In spite of myself, I didn't want a dog. I've got two. Greatest thing ever. I didn't want a girlfriend. I got a wife and a baby. I didn't want a job. I'm the co-founder of a tech company. So if you've got a dream, you can do it in recovery is I guess what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, I love it. I love it. I, um, wait, there was really- <laughs> I hope I didn't peek too much for you. I love, I love you. Oh, this is so good. If only, if only you weren't a frozen man, it's like, it's like going to a wax museum a little bit. Um, but, but here's what I was going to say. Yes. I totally hear you about waiting to share that being said, I started telling everybody I was sober within four minutes of being sober because I think I used it as a kind of insurance. If I tell you guys, then yeah. I've got to remain accountable because what, remaining accountable to the world is more than remaining accountable to yourself or your loved ones or anything else. So I think that everybody, um, oh, look, your co-founder. Look. Daniela Tudor. Talking about you, Daniela. Um, I love you, Daniela. I think people, what would you tell somebody who is, we're going to, we have to end on this. What would you tell somebody who is struggling with whether or not they should open up about their recovery? Well, I mean, publicly is different than uh, like you used it as a tool to, to stay accountable, to stay on track. Um, I think for me uh, putting, the if I, I don't like to give advice, I've been taught to give suggestions or share. Um, is that you know, I mean, the openness and the honesty about what's real and what isn't real at first, I didn't know, but the biggest thing is you know, to 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 attach yourself to an army, you know, I think intentional, intentional, I keep recovery front of mind every single day. Um, you know, early on, I, 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 my mentors like Scotty G was like, let's just take a time out, you know, and, and to put this, but, you know, to answer your question, you know, publicly where the whole world needs to know about it and, and you need to put it in the papers. If, if you're someone that could be in the papers, you know, I, there's two ways to be in the papers, one for the right reasons and one for the wrong reasons. And, but at the same time, you used it, which is super genius, as a tool to stay accountable. And that's what We Connect Health and our platform does. It keeps you accountable 
to what you're saying, you know, because early on when my lips were moving, there was a probably a good chance I was lying. So, you know, it's what I do, not what I say. And today I got a noon support group meeting and I'm going to get right. Now, love it, love it. If So if people want to start using WeConnect, can we? Or is it only rehabs and treatment centers and companies? You can download it in the App Store. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, we really geared this toward, um, you know, not only uh, the patients, but the supporters. The supporters are going to feel great knowing that, you know, they, their loved ones are making their their uh, treatment plan, you know, showing up for their, their, um, their care, they're keeping recovery first, you know, they're, it's, it's just as much for the supporters as it is for the patients, but it is a tool and a framework that, that organizes all of your recovery activities in one place. And um, it's just the best, you know, my, my, my favorite, favorite thing, we connect user number one, is out of Nina, Wisconsin. I actually flew to Chicago and drove all the way to his house because he at one point was in a coma. I didn't even know this guy. And uh, a family friend said, can you help uh, Tate W? And he's completed over 98% of 7,000 recovery activities. And he's currently ran like five marathons and started the Grateful Runners Club. But he was in a coma three years ago. And he had two little girls and he's thriving in recovery and he's killing it. And, you know, it's that type of uh, success that that drives me every single day. It's so much bigger. I'm going to look back on this work and I'm sure you are, too, uh, knowingly or that this is the most important work in my life without question. And our goal every single day from the engineers and coders, I take guys that are not in recovery, that are our data scientists and and engineers to support group meetings so they get to know us right you know um that, that they get to know the disease and the problem this can't be just something that comes out of silicon valley that hey we're tech geniuses that know about you you got to know you to to serve you you know and that's how recovery works you know me i know i might not be a girl but you know me you know i wouldn't call someone that that's not in recovery when I've got a problem with the wife. I'd call Anna David and say, Anna, you know me. You know the characteristics of what the banana town between my ears can cause me to think and feel. And you know what I'm saying? So so what we're doing is, um, you know, it's really passionate work for all of us that we connect and and we're we're pumped because it's time. It's time that there's a tool that the world can... uh, you know, the, the outcomes suck, you know. Well, Murphy Jensen, this has been such a pleasure. I am so happy you talked to me on your 50th birthday. Woo! Anybody out there who wants more information, go to We Connect Recovery. Um, sounds like they have a big announcement coming up soon, so we should all stay tuned. And Murphy promises me that he's going to have a Murphy Jensen website. When? Yes, murphyjensen.com, uh, I would say by Christmas. By Christmas. Um, well, Murphy, thank you. Uh, Sarah, Lisa, co-founder, Daniela, Andrew, everybody who chimed in. Laura, thank you so much. And um, and that's it, Murphy. I adore you. Thank you for doing this. 
Anna, you made my day. Made your 50th birthday. Woo! Okay, bye y'all. Stay blessed.